In the history of man, there have been times when great plagues have ravaged populations. Everyone has heard of the Black Death, which eliminated nearly half the population of Europe in the 14th century. Rich and poor fell to the disease. It made no distinction between classes. Today, medical authorities frequently pronounce dire warnings of what might be coming as a result of growing resistance to antibiotics on the part of numerous dangerous strains of bacteria. Indeed, this is a real threat and significant resources are invested to try and stay ahead of these pathogens. Yet as you are watching this program, another malady is marauding in our midst, one that costs our economy billions of dollars a year and that claims victims from Skid Row to the corporate boardroom. Across the world, a new plague is eroding health, wealth and happiness in a manner that is more pervasive than most realize. The dark cloud of depression is impacting individuals, young and old, at all levels of society. It is quite possible that you or people close to you are affected. There is a way to help overcome the challenge of depression. Stay tuned. How serious is the problem of depression in our society? Reporting for the Global News in September 2016, Nicole Mortellaro indicated that a Conference Board of Canada study set the national cost of depression and anxiety at nearly $50 billion annually. The same research concluded, almost a quarter of Canadians living with a mental illness are unable to work because of their symptoms. On a global scale, the problem is even more dramatic. Reporter Andrew Russell commented on a global news blog about a World Health Organization study that had been published in the medical journal The Lancet in April 2016. This study estimates the economic cost of depression to be over $1 trillion annually. The true depth of the problem is perhaps more fully described in a study by Dr. Ronald Kessler published in 2011. The World Health Organization ranks major depressive disorder as the fourth leading cause of disability worldwide and projects that by 2020 it will be the second leading cause due to currently unexplained increasing prevalence in recent cohorts. Dr. Kessler goes on to explain how the study linked serious depression to issues that impact economic development such as early termination of education, reduced incidence of marriage, teen childbearing, and reduced potential of employment. This has the overall effect of eroding the individual's capacity to contribute to the economy and to personal economic stability. Personal health can be impacted from long-term depression. Kessler goes on to say, it is now well established that MDD is significantly associated with a wide variety of chronic physical disorders, including arthritis, asthma, cancer, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, hypertension, chronic respiratory disorders, and a variety of chronic pain conditions. It is noteworthy that while researchers can ascertain the increasing numbers of depressed individuals, 
there without explanation as to why this is occurring. As we have mentioned, the rising tide of depression in society is not a respecter of persons or their station in life. Some feel their depression is caused by poverty, yet the recent tragic case of Robin Williams, a wealthy celebrity who became its victim, proves otherwise. Success in life is also not a defense. Sir Winston Churchill, nobly born, well-educated, courageous soldier, Nobel Prize winning author, statesman, prime minister, accomplished artist and war hero, suffered repeatedly from what he called the black dog, that is depression. Well, what is depression anyway? Normally it is defined as a feeling of severe despondency and dejection, which can lead to a sense of despair and loss of motivation. It is important, as researchers will note, not to include sadness within the definition of depression. We all feel sad at one time or another due to a circumstance, but feeling of sadness alone does not constitute mental depression. The latter can have devastating consequences. What can cause depression? According to the Harvard Medical School Health Topics, what causes depression? Some areas of the brain can be affected by depression and activity in a given portion of the brain may cause or be altered by depression. For example, one study of 24 women with a history of depression found that, on average, the hippocampus, a structure deep within the brain, was 9 to 13 percent smaller in depressed women compared with those who were not depressed. The more bouts of depression the woman had, the smaller the hippocampus. Stimulating growth of new neurons in the affected region seems to make improvements in their condition. Similarly, there can be issues with the availability and balance of chemicals called neurotransmitters, which can either assist or inhibit communication between cells. Improper availability of some neurotransmitters can be a contributor to depression. The medical community is making strides in identifying such issues and prescribing treatments that can assist a patient to experience improvement. While there are biological causes for depression, they are by no means the only factors which may contribute to the problem. In the next section of today's program, we will examine some of the issues that experts say are contributing to the exponential increase in depression in our society which has dangerous implications both to the nation's economy, its social health and stability. Please take time to call or write for our new DVD, Uncommon Strategies for Improving Mental Health. This may be of help to you or for someone you love in overcoming anxiety and depression. Here is how you can order yours. Don't miss out on this important resource. Call the number on your screen and ask for your free copy of Uncommon Strategies for Improving Mental Health, or order online at TWCanada.org. This DVD contains three helpful Tomorrow's World telecasts, how to make better decisions, seven steps to lasting happiness, and what is the true meaning of life. All present practical information which can help improve your outlook. Dial the number on your screen or visit us online to get your free copy. If you missed our contact information this time, keep watching and I will be back to give it again. The physical operation of the brain 
is a complex electrochemical process. Billions of chemical reactions occurring on a constant basis, resulting in your awareness, your thoughts, and your mood. Medical research has made significant progress toward better understanding brain function, even identifying genetic anomalies that can make one susceptible to low moods, and identifying drug therapy that can manage or improve such issues. There are, however, factors other than biology that are involved in depression. Our temperament can be such a factor. Stressful experiences such as the loss of employment, the ending of a relationship, severe illness or the death of a loved one can cause a sense of despair or hopelessness. Everyone experiences these low points in life, but for some, sadness can turn into a sense of endless loss and uncertainty. Choices are difficult to make. One can feel absent-minded, melancholic, and exhausted. Researchers have looked into some choices or reactions one might select in a time of crisis that, in fact, may serve to make depression difficult to escape. Becoming aware of strategies that can help shine a light of hope in what appears to be darkness can change one's life for the better. Clinical social worker Katie Hurley, writing for the mental health resource SCICOM in August of 2019, describes five common behaviors that will entrench depression. Each can be reversed. She writes, people struggling with depression can also make lifestyle changes to help alleviate symptoms. It helps to look at choices and habits that can contribute to depressive symptoms to understand how to make healthy choices during the treatment process. Many of the common responses to depression are in fact symptoms of the disorder that make matters worse. The first symptom of depression is inactivity. A major depressive episode can take away the pleasure and incentive in nearly all activities. The individual finds it difficult to motivate himself or herself to do anything, even to rise in the morning. This can be harmful to employment, education, and even close relationships. Often the depressed person retreats to find solace, wanting to seek refuge from a feeling of despair. Yet this reduces their ability to contribute to achieve something, however small. The longer this goes on, the more hopeless the feeling can become and the more difficult to resume engaging people and the essential tasks of life. How should we deal with this symptom of inactivity? Dealing with the issues at the heart of the depression may be too challenging to start with, but experts, including the ones already cited, recommend adding some form of physical activity to your routine. This can be as simple as a moderate walk out of doors. Many studies show exercise to have the effect of improving or elevating one's immediate mood. In addition, even mild and moderate exercise stimulates the body to produce serotonin and endorphins. These chemicals, sometimes known as the feel-good hormones, help control depression. It also is a start in gaining control over anxiety and depression. The second symptom of depression is poor diet. A study published in the American Journal of Psychiatry found a link between a modern Western diet high in processed foods, sugars, and refined grains, 
and higher incidence of depression among women. A balanced and less processed diet was found to lower the incidence. After adjustments for age, socioeconomic status, education, and health behaviors, a traditional dietary pattern characterized by vegetables, fruit, meat, fish, and whole grains was associated with lower odds for major depression or dysthemia and for anxiety disorders. The brain is one of the most active metabolic zones in the human body and needs a continuous flow of nutrients to complete the massive number of functions it must achieve constantly. A poor diet may not provide the nutrients necessary to produce neurotransmitters and may provoke symptoms of anxiety and depression. Unfortunately, a common reaction to struggling emotionally, such as when facing depression, is to reach for a quick pick-me-up of sweeter or higher fat content processed foods. This only compounds the problem. Thus, a well-balanced diet of less processed foods will also help relieve the burden of depression. Minimizing stimulants such as caffeine and alcohol can also be beneficial. The third symptom of depression is chronic sleep deprivation. Poor sleep has a strong effect on mood, in part because the neurotransmitters needed to support mood are replenished with sleep. Thus, we need restorative sleep to maintain a balanced brain and help alleviate depression and anxiety. Developing stable sleeping habits can counter a cycle of poor sleep, which can be a trigger for depression. In as much as possible, keep sleep times consistent with regular hours for bedtime and rising. Shut off electronics an hour or two before going to bed and remove all electronic screens from the bedroom. Brain health is more dependent upon sleep than most people realize. It is during sleep that the brain cleans itself of waste products and thus prevents drowsiness, problems with memory, concentration, and impaired judgment, all of which can aggravate low spirits. Sleep needs to be a priority for mental health and physical health. Our new DVD, Uncommon Strategies for Improving Mental Health, has been prepared to help those who struggle with depression and anxiety. There is no charge for this DVD. Here is how you can obtain your copy. To request your free copy of this DVD, call the number displayed on the screen and ask for Uncommon Strategies for Improving Mental Health. You can also order online at TWCanada.org. Have you ever asked, what does the future hold for me? Or how can I separate truth from fiction? We answer these questions and more in our magazine, Tomorrow's World. It's also yours free of charge. Don't wait. Call or visit us online to get your free copy of Uncommon Strategies for Improving Mental Health and Tomorrow's World. I hope you enjoy the rest of today's program. We have been examining today the subject of depression and some of the symptoms of depression which, when not counteracted, make matters worse. With each of these, however, we are proposing ways by which those negative responses can be mitigated. So far, we have looked at the impact of inactivity, poor diet, and lack of sleep. Now let's take a look at two major contributors to depression and how these can be overcome. The fourth symptom of depression is social isolation. 
When life seems overwhelming, one possible reaction is to turn inward. Re-establishing contact with others seems to be a nearly insurmountable task. A strong social network or even maintaining a few close friends or relations can be a literal lifeline in a time of seeming despair. Human beings really need social interaction at some level. Isolation makes one more vulnerable to the stresses that can lead to depression. Lack of social connection heightens health risks as much as smoking 15 cigarettes a day or having alcohol use disorder. The structure of society is changing, and that change is producing an epidemic of isolation. The same article states, the most recent U.S. Census data, for example, shows that more than a quarter of the population lives alone, the highest rate ever recorded. In this environment, many lacking or fearing direct personal contact or being reticent to share feelings directly with another person seek contact on social media platforms. This, however, is not the same as human-to-human -human connection. For example, a large-scale University of Pittsburgh study of young adults indicated that heavy social media users are almost three times more likely to be depressed than occasional users. He goes on to show that youth who spend more than two hours per day on social media are much more likely to rate their mental health as fair to poor. People need people to function normally and to be encouraged. This is not new knowledge. About 3,000 years ago, an ancient philosopher king uttered these very modern-sounding words. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. For that good word to be most effective, it needs to come from a person in physical proximity to you. A friend can encourage and help you overcome anxiety. We humans need that social support from other humans. To fight depression, avoid becoming isolated from human contact. The fifth symptom of depression is suppression of gratitude. When one suffers from depression, all seems hopeless with no way out of the distress. In this condition, it is hard to be grateful for things. Yet many researchers in this field are now describing the benefits of a simple drug-free intervention which when implemented is shown to be very effective in dealing with depression and anxiety. Dr. Christine Thurer, writing for Java Group programs in October 2015 states, a growing body of research documents the numerous positive effects of gratitude on psychological well-being. Longitudinal research is suggesting that higher levels of gratitude reduce depression and stress even in the face of disease. A new study conducted by Deepak Chopra and colleagues found that gratitude was associated with numerous benefits including better mood and sleep and with reduced depression and stress. So how does one go about defeating depression with gratitude? Many years ago, I remember speaking with a lady who had been going through a difficult time during which she struggled with depression. At one point, she started to feel much better.
and in discussing the matter she related how she simply decided one day to be very grateful for many little everyday things, such as the blue sky she could see, the taste of an orange, or the purring of a cat. She began to make a habit of being thankful daily for all of the life's small pleasures. Gradually, the depression lifted. In her mind, it seemed that the depressed mood could not endure the presence of a thankful one. Years later, I happened to read an article on the blog of the webpage positivepsychology.com entitled The Neuroscience of Gratitude and How It Affects Anxiety and Grief. The article references a large volume of recent research which shows what the aforementioned lady experienced was in fact an effect now well established in science. Positive psychology and mental health researchers in the past few decades have established an overwhelming connection between gratitude and good health. Gratitude is positively correlated to more vitality, energy, and enthusiasm to work harder. Chowdhury goes on to explain how neuroscientist Dr. Alex Korb confirmed that gratitude acts as a natural antidepressant, actually changing the biochemistry of the brain for the better. At the neurochemical level, gratitude acts as a catalyst for neurotransmitters like serotonin, dopamine, and neuroepinephrine. The ones that manage our emotions, anxiety, and immediate stress responses. Chowdhury explains that gratitude is a socially driven emotion, thinking about the needs of others and about things around us that are beautiful, trains our brain to be more positive and works against the forces of depression. Chowdhury references research that shows the effect on the brain from this way of thinking is long-lasting. Grateful people are simply happier people, and being grateful is a choice we can all make. Depression has a psychological and neurochemical base, both of which can be addressed with gratitude. Gratitude as an intervention for treating depression is convenient, less time-consuming, less expensive, and useful for the long term. Depression, as we saw at the beginning of this program, is a growing problem that is threatening both the social and economic well-being of the nation. The lifestyles and new value sets of this postmodern environment are likely significant factors contributing to this plague of despair that now afflicts so many. Yet there are steps one can take to once again discover and experience the joy of life. It is both revealing and interesting to note that what we have discussed in today's program is supported in modern science, yet 2,000 years ago the well-educated and well-connected Jewish leader who was used to author a good portion of the New Testament, also commented in a similar way on keeping a positive mindset. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Clearly, Paul understood strategies to overcome depression. Solomon also seemed to be aware of the power of a positive mindset 
which will contribute to a happier and healthier life. A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. If you would like to know more about ways in which one can successfully overcome the problem of depression, please take time to call or write for our new DVD, Uncommon Strategies for Improving Mental Health. Tomorrow's World presenters Wallace Smith and Michael Haykoop discuss key principles which, if implemented, can elevate one's mood and help one live a happier life. Stay tuned for Tomorrow's World Answers, which will follow in a few seconds. Thank you for watching, and please join us next week when Gerald Weston, Michael Haykoop, and I will bring more news and encouraging perspectives from Tomorrow's World. To learn more about today's topic, call 1-866-784-7895. Tomorrow's World, PO Box 409, Mississauga, Ontario. L5M0P6. Welcome to Tomorrow's World Answers, where we answer your questions straight from the Bible. Many of God's laws are very specific and outline how one should act, speak, and in some instances, even governs what we should allow our thoughts to dwell on. This has caused some to ask, are emotions sin? Paul's epistle to the Galatians outlines several character traits that are fruits of God's Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. If joy and peace are fruits of God's Spirit, does this mean that when we display sadness or anger, we are at odds with God's Spirit and in some way acting inappropriately? The fruits of God's Spirit are the resultant character traits that we develop when we allow God's Spirit to direct us, heeding His instruction and His law. The sense of joy mentioned here does not mean that one is in a perpetual state of unimaginable bliss and nothing could ever cause even a moment of sadness. Rather, it is speaking of an overall outlook and sense of understanding that while we may go through difficult times, the end result will be a joyous one. Writing in the book of Ecclesiastes, wise King Solomon acknowledged that a wide range of emotions were appropriate under certain circumstances. For everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. One of the fruits of God's Spirit is self-control. Self-control, or discipline, is the ability to prevent our emotions from leading us to sin. Paul warned the Ephesians in verse 26 of Ephesians 4 about allowing their anger to lead them to sin. This does not mean that the very act of being irritated or angry with something is sinful but that we must maintain composure and not allow ourselves to act on our emotions in a sinful way. While being careful that our emotions don't lead us to sin, we must also recognize that emotion can lead to great things as well. Paul wrote that he was thankful for having made members of the congregation at Corinth sorrowful. He didn't take pleasure in their guilt and sorrow. He was excited that their sorrow had led to spiritual growth. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Acting in righteousness and striving to live in accordance with God's laws does not mean that one becomes an emotionless robot. 
rather that we learn to exercise self-control and rather than allowing emotion to control us, learn to channel that emotion to change and improve. To submit a question for the show, email us at twanswers at tomorrowsworld.org. To watch us online, search Tomorrow's World Answers on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe and click the notification bell. You can also visit us online at twcanada.org. At our website, you can also watch this and many more Tomorrow's World programs. Call 1-866-784-7895. Write or visit us online today. This program is a production of The Living Church of God.